Welcome to the City Church Cebu Podcast, raising the standard, and the standard is Jesus. As we talk about warfare, I want you to understand this, that the spirit world is as real as the natural. In fact, most of the things that we go through is just a mirror of what's happening in the spirit. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. He says it's not against the person beside you. It's not against your husband or your wife. Your struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, before we pray, I just want to do a quick story about warfare. Now, growing up, I I was a computer geek. I didn't really spend so much time in the street. Every so often I would. But we had at that time the latest PC. It was a 486. Anyone here remember what a 486 is? Yeah? It's like one person raised their hands. God bless you. Okay. I would play a lot of games and, and I loved it. We, we had what we call a floppy disk. You know, you know a floppy disk? It's, yeah. Now people use it to just open the door. No, you, you can use it to make it. It's, it's not the 3.5. It's the bigger one, the 5 and 1 fourth. It's, it's soft. So I'd play my games there. One day, this pastor friend called my mom who was very much involved in computers. And I was still growing up. 486 at the time was, was the best. And she says, Sister Christine, I just want you to know, I heard that your sons, they, they love to, to be on the PC and they, they love to play games. She says, yes. Is there anything wrong with that? Sister Christine, there is a virus going around in these PCs. And I just want you, to, I, I want to assure you that most likely because they're not as technical as I am, That computer of yours is infected with a virus. Does your son copy games from shops? Yes, he does. For sure. So what my mother did, being a mother, Brian, Brian, David gathered us. Turn off the computer. Turn off the computer now. There is a virus in that computer. So knelt down. She told us all, stop playing. We all knelt down in the bed, mat on the floor. Father, in the name of Jesus... Lord, I bind that virus that is spreading, Lord, through computers, Lord God. Lord, protect my children. And we were looking at her, what is going on? We didn't understand. I wasn't as technical as I was now. And then the following week comes, this pastor friend hands to her, I have the antidote, the antivirus, gives her a disc. She's looking, what? Do, do we? I, I was expecting a vial. I was expecting an injection. And growing up, we un- my mother had disciplined us in warfare. Everything she did, she'd pray. She'd consistently be at the top of her lungs rebuking something. This is how we grew up. And today I want to give you five points about spiritual warfare. I want you to take home with you because these things you probably know but you don't use. These are weapons of our warfare. Are you ready? Yes? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, bless, Lord God, the preaching of your word. Lord, we want to go home today with tools, Lord God. With tools to walk out of this place, Lord, using the weapons of our warfare to be victorious against the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, spiritual warfare does not call us to be devil conscious. You don't go out looking for demons. You don't go out looking for problems. No, the point of spiritual warfare is to be God conscious. That you know that in everything that you do, wherever you go, God is there. And the more conscious you are of His presence, 
the better you can live. Amen? Thank you, AJ. One amen. All right. Amen. Colossians, I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. Imagine this like a big Bible study. Colossians 2, 14 to 15 says, meaning Jesus, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. So if Jesus had already disarmed the enemies of darkness, if He's already won the victory, what is the point? of spiritual warfare what is the point of warfare right if he already won the point of warfare is this when we pray when we come to God we are not here to obtain victory no no no. we're standing at a place of victory and we're enforcing what already belongs to us in Jesus Christ did you catch that because some of us think we're on the losing end and we're praying and we're hoping to gain more ground no 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 just like Joshua they were given the promised land. They were given Jericho, but they had to cross and conquer territory and claim and enforce what already was theirs in Jesus Christ. Are you following? So there are things that you and I need to enforce the power of God that's inside of us and claim territory that really belongs to you that Satan has been squatting on. Yes? Yes. Amen. All right, you better come alive today. I'm going to throw you a lot of verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this. For we live in, in the world, we do not wage war. See, Paul used words like war. Because the spirit world is so real that he used serious terms like war, like weapons, like fighting. And look what he says here. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You take captive things in your life. Because anything left alone will actually wither and die. Your Christian walk, if you leave it alone, you don't feed yourself with the Word of God, you don't show up in church, you're not a part of life group, you don't go to recharge, you're actually going to wither. Amen? Anything left alone will wither. In, in the Christian walk, there's no, there's no such thing as being stagnant. No, a stagnant person is regressing. You're not progressing. Amen? Yes. Wow. What is going on here? Are you okay? Okay. I'm going to give you five weapons today. And with these five weapons, I'm going to start off with something you already know. The first weapon is this. The name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Go on, say Jesus. Uh, say it again like you mean it. Say Jesus. Amen. Mark 16. Look at this. Mark 16, 17 to 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, Jesus said, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, I will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Amen. Don't go around looking for snakes and scorpions because you have the name of Jesus. Don't go around drinking poison. Okay, I will not go to your wake service because you said in the name of Jesus. Don't do that. Be wise. But use the name of Jesus because it's powerful. It's a weapon that you and I have, but we take it for granted. Right? You just hear it in church. Every time Pastor Joe, Pastor Herb, Pastor Grace says a line and they say, in Jesus' name. And we just repeat it and say, in Jesus' name. But there is power 
in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Luke 10, look at this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. John 14, 13 says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, the name of Jesus is just not you taking authority to move things in the Spirit. It's taking authority to ask things from the Father. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. And everywhere you, you, you go and whatever it is that you're doing, you and I have to understand this is a weapon that you and I take for granted. Every single time we just use it when we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a house with a praying mother. She got saved before my father did. And just a few weeks ago when they were here, we were at a store, a small store in, in Ayala. And in this store, my little girl, she slipped. She kind of hit her head. Wasn't even a strong bump. And my mother, because she's, she's always in warm mode. She comes, she hears Ali crying. She comes to me and she said, what happened? I said, I, I think she slipped. She tried to climb this small stool and she fell. She hit her head in this small store. In the name of Jesus. And I was looking. I said, oh, mom, why do you have to pray so loud? In the name of Jesus, Lord, no harm, no weapon formed against. And she's quoting verses. And I was, oh, Lord. And, and this is what I realized. Every time they pray for the food in a restaurant. All the tips of the waiter should go to her because all the food in that restaurant is blessed. She prays so loud, Lord, sanctify this food. Every plate in that restaurant, even the plates that the waiters are carrying, they have to be blessed. The tip should go to her. You don't need to pray for your food, ma'am. She just prayed for everybody's food. The waiters are blessed. Everyone, the kitchen staff is blessed. But my point is this. Are you in war mode in the spirit? Because we have an enemy that's working double time. If you're slacking off as a Christian, he's going to get you. Seriously. And if you're not in war mode and, and if you think things that are happening in your life are just happening by chance, you're wrong. Because the enemy plans. He steals, kills, and what? Destroys. Look at another text in Acts 3 6 and 16 because some of us are thinking you know what maybe the name of Jesus was just so powerful when he was alive walking here on earth um, physically but look at the book of Acts this is when Jesus had already gone up to heaven he says here then Peter said silver or gold I do not have but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk and by faith in the name of Jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. There's power in the name of Jesus. Many years ago, Jesus came to earth. His name all the way until today has the same power to deliver, to heal, and change. The power of, Je of, the power of Jesus has not changed nor diminished. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Second weapon, I'm going to jump into this. The blood of Jesus. So you've got the... What's the first? The name of Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Herb. And then you have the blood of Jesus. And whenever we talk about the blood, some of us wonder, why, why do we always talk about the blood? Why is this so important? Ephesians 2 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. By what? The blood 
of Jesus Christ and who are you and I to walk into this place thinking that our sin is greater than his blood you come here and you worship, Lord, I'm not forgiven. I'm insignificant, Lord. I'm so broken. I don't think you can forgive me this time. Who are you and I to say with pride that my sin is bigger than his blood? I, I want to tell you this, that the blood of Jesus from generations past, from the day that he died and he rose again, all the way until today and for future generation, it says it's enough to break every habit, to heal every sin, to restore those that were once far off and actually bring them near to the kingdom of God. Who are you and I to say that his blood is not enough to forgive? Amen? Wow. Did you catch that? That there's enough of the blood of Jesus to forgive your sin past, present, and future. That's a weapon that you and I so, so neglect. We just say it when somebody is sick. We just speak it out like it means nothing but the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. These were tools that Peter, James, John, the, the apostles in the book of Acts, that they use these tools every single day to war in the spirit. But let's not forget that. Romans 5 verse 9 says this, Since we have now been justified by his blood, justified is just a, a fancy word that... To, to be called righteous. That when God sees us, he doesn't see Brian, doesn't see Gail, doesn't see Hansi. He sees Jesus living inside of us. And we're justified. We're declared righteous. How It says here, now that we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? That's how powerful the blood of Jesus. Now, we talked about the past. I want to bring you all the way to the future. Look at Revelation 12, 11. It says here, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. My friends, we're talking about the past and the power of the blood of Jesus. We're talking about the current that we wage war in the Spirit by the blood of Jesus. And then we're talking far into the future in the book of Revelation. The blood is still as effective and as real as it is today, as it was during the time of the apostles. Isn't that amazing? Yeah? Are you guys born again? No one's answering. Are you okay? Yeah? The blood of Jesus. I mean, how many of us pray with those terms? How many of us actually call out the name of Jesus like it's real, like it works? Amen? We got to understand that these are weapons of our warfare. The blood of Jesus makes our righteousness in him a reality. This is our eternal confidence. Don't come here second-guessing your Christianity. Lord, am I saved? Lord, am I okay? No. If you've given your life to Jesus, you said, Lord, I'm going to yield my life to you. I'm going to align my life to you. I'm going to look like you by the grace of God every single day. And I'm telling you, you're saved. You don't have to second-guess yourself, okay? And it's something that we have to fight because it's really a battle in our mind, no? Sometimes there are days you wake up and you feel blah. And there are days you wake up, you really feel like worshiping and you're so game. But there are days that are just harder to be a Christian. Amen? Nobody is strong 365 days a year. Amen? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Are you guys okay? Okay. Let's do this. Let's do a quick review. The first is, and the second is, the blood of Jesus. The third weapon that I want you to utilize is this, the Word of God. Say Word of God. 
Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive. Say alive. And active. Say active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, many times whenever we preach here, we don't really dive deep into the Greek. We just give you the meaning. But this is so crucial. Okay, the, 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 the word for double-edged is the, is the Greek word dystomos. Dystomos means double-mouthed, meaning one side you receive the promises of God. That's one edge. The other side you speak the promises of God out. That's why it's called a double-edged sword. You get before God. You saturate yourself in the Word of God. You put a language into your prayer life because you get deep into the Word of God. And when you receive those promises from the Word of God, you speak it out. That's why it's a double-edged sword. And the sword is pointed toward the enemy. Amen? And that is how you and I should be hungry to get deep into the Word of God. But you know a lot of us, and sadly this is so true, even life group leaders, we don't want to meet our life group because we say, hey, there's no material. I don't want to meet because there's not enough material. My friends, this is, all the materials come from here anyway. You get the discipline to read, study, meditate the Word of God, and you can do whatever you want with it, handle it correctly, and then teach it to those that are around you. That's what Jesus did. In fact, one of my biggest, um, one of my biggest códigos whenever I talk to people about Jesus Christ, of course, I talk to them about John 3.16 if they don't know Jesus Christ. But there's another 3.16 that's just as powerful. So John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, amen. Okay, the afternoon service did it better. Okay, I will enroll you all in City Champs with Sir uh, JB. All right. And Colossians 3.16 is the other 3.16. Let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly. You see, there is no other way for this word to enter your heart if you don't read it. Honestly, nowadays you have the version app. You can download the Bible in your phone. You can actually put it on airplane mode, study the Word of God, enroll in a Bible reading plan. Please don't just read the verse of the day that pops up in your phone. Oh, I did my devotions. Um, Pastor Joe, I, I read the verse of the day. And if we ask you to recite it, you won't even remember. You got to study, meditate on the Word of God. It is a weapon. When you study the Word of God, when you meditate on the Word of God, I'll tell you this. It gives you a language for when you pray and when you worship. So that when, whenever a pastor comes up here like Pastor Urban says, Hey, open your mouth. Speak to God. Worship God. You're not just clapping your hands. No, you're speaking the Word back to Him because you have a language. Because you already dug deep into the Word of God. The promises of God. Amen. The stories of old and make it ref refresh yourself with the gospel of truth. Amen. Amen. I think this generation is one of the biggest generations that actually stopped picking up books and stopped reading. Right. Most of the younger generation now, they stopped reading. Not, not even just the Bible. Every single book. Nobody reads anymore. It's people in my generation that actually still, it's probably the last generation that's reading a little bit. A little bit. But it's a generation before mine, they were heavy readers. You know, I see Bibles of old timers, all the highlights and the colors, and there's notes curving on the side. I love my Bible that way. 
That's why it's so hard to preach from another Bible. Because in my Bible, when I open it, I have arrows pointing here and circles going there. I have drawings there. Because it helps me remember the promises of God. One side that I receive and one side I declare over my kids, my marriage, my family. It is a weapon that I have to go to every single day. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay. There's some good word coming out here. Okay. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You cannot go out in the battlefield with just armor without the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's the sword that you strike the enemy with. Amen. And if you don't have a sword, imagine you have all the armor but you don't have a sword. What kind of fighting stance will you have? We are, as Christians are not in the defensive, we're in the offensive. We have a God that already won the victory. He wants us to march through territory and claim it for Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have first the name of Jesus and then secondly we have the blood of Jesus. We're learning something and thirdly we have the Word of God, the Word, God's Word must be alive in our hearts and demonstrated in our lives to use the sword of the Spirit mightily. If you're a young person, Psalm 119 says this, Thy Word have, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You want to keep yourself from sinning, stay in the Word of God. And it's so good, you know, when you've done um, your devotions every single day when you've gotten deep into the Word of God and somebody asks for prayer, I'll tell you what, the language, the words that will come out of your mouth will be based on the Word of God and that is powerful. You see, our words will fade. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my Word, my Word, it's, it's an eternal Word. Declare this. Don't just come up with your own words. Speak this to people. That's why every time we we get a chance to visit the sick we bring this we read verses we declare tell them stories about the word of God we actually speak life through the word of God amen all right so get into that the fourth weapon that I want to share with you it's you, you notice that all the weapons are something that you can do you don't have to manufacture you don't have to be in church to take hold of these weapons they're weapons that you have within your reach it's the name of Jesus you pray, speak the name of Jesus. You pray and you can declare the power of the blood of Jesus that's over your marriage, over your home, over your children. And do you know that Satan cannot cross where the blood already is? Remember the Old Testament when they painted the doorpost with blood? That the angel of death would pass over that. The power of the blood. When Satan can see, oh, the blood of Jesus is over this home. I cannot touch these children of God. They're covered by the blood of Jesus. And then you couple that with the word of God. Teach it to your children. Teach them stories of the Bible. It builds a solid foundation for this generation. And then the fourth is this. It's the weapon of praise and worship. And I wish you can take home Gail with you, right? And in the morning you just press the button, the curtain opens, and then Gail comes singing. And you're good in the spirit. But it doesn't work that way. There's power in praise and worship. When you can stand up from where you are, whether you feel good or not, and just begin to lift up a sacrifice of praise and say, God, I want to worship you today with my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. Everything I am is yours. And you begin to sing to him. Sing your problems away. And 
Use it to worship God. I'll give you a few verses. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In the King James, this is the verse that says, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. That every time we come together and we worship Him, He sits enthroned in the praises of His people. And that's amazing because when Jesus and his presence comes, things cannot remain the same. Amen. Things have to change. People have to get healed. Lives have to be restored. That is how powerful his presence is. But the problem is when we look at praise and worship, we just see it as a part of the program in church, in the church that we attend in. And when it's over, it's over. We don't see it as a weapon. We just see it all. Oh, it's praise and worship time. And after, what's the last song? All right, after the last song, we're done. My friends, I feel so sad for people that whenever we start to worship and their hands are in j- just in their pocket and they're, they're, they're not moving, they're not worshiping, and they can't wait to sit down. And when it's over, they just make praise and worship as something done in the church. It's part of the program. Guys, you can Use your phone if you can't sing. You can sing in the shower. Before you read the Bible, you can put on some worship songs and really worship God in spirit and in truth. It's a weapon. It's a tool that you and I have to use. Did you know whenever you praise and worship, you can change the atmosphere of the place that you're in? You can. In my home, I can put on music and it's, if, if the kids have been so rowdy and, and there's things going on in the home and I choose to put on worship songs and I just worship, you can change the atmosphere of your entire home because of worship that comes from that house. Amen. I'll show you some verses. John, uh, here in, uh, where am I? Here we are. Praise and worship. Here we go. I lost myself. I'm sorry. I'm going, I'm going beyond myself. Oh my goodness, just talking and jumping around. Okay, here we go. I'll backtrack, huh? Sorry. There we go. Ah, here I am. Psalm 34 verse 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. So that means if the Lord said that when I worship, when I praise Him, He inhabits the praises of His people. What does that mean? If I continually praise Him, He continually inhabits the place where I am. So everywhere I go, in my car, in the office, if there's continuous worship that comes forth from my mouth, it means, God, I'm inviting you into my office space. I'm inviting you, Lord, into my marriage. I'm inviting you into my room. I'm inviting you into areas of my life. Inhabit the praise that's coming forth from my mouth. You see, that's why it's so important to praise Him continuously. Just as we're asked to praise Him and pray continuously. Hebrews 13.15 says this. Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips Give thanks to his name. Did you know that sometimes praise is actually a sacrifice? Right? Every time you come before God, something has to die. Something in your flesh has to go. There's something that you need to let go of. Don't come to God. Don't come to church with nothing to give, nothing to let down at the foot of the cross. There needs to be something in you that needs to go. The Isaacs that we have every single time, you got to lay it down at the foot of the cross. The power of praise and worship. 
And oftentimes we've had people that we visited to minister to. And there were times that before we even said a word, we just gathered in one circle and started to sing to Jesus. We started to worship God. We started to sing songs and it's real. It's not just following lyrics on a slide. It's worship unto him. Did you know when you come from a place and atmosphere like that, your demeanor changes, your perspective changes, you magnify him. Even the issues that you're facing at the moment, they become smaller and smaller and smaller because you've enlarged God in your view. You've enlarged God in your eyes. And it's so powerful that we get to practice this. Don't just do it in church. In fact, that very powerful verse that Jesus quotes from in Deuteronomy is this. right? He says, um, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And a lot of us, we just stop and pause there and say, Okay, Lord, we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know the next line of that verse is teach it to your children. Talk about it in the dinner table. Meaning the practical application of loving the Lord your God, it has to funnel through the home where the foundation is. Because a lot of us think, oh, Lord, I just want to volunteer because I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to be part of production. I want to be part of in tune. I want to be serving here. I want to wear a black shirt. I want to be able to do things in church. No, the, the application of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is in the context of the home. That's why when we talk about the weapons of your warfare, it must first be in the context of your home. Are you prayed up in your house? Are you worshiping him in your house? Because I, I, I know this. If in your own home there is no foundation of worship, there's no foundation of reading the word, there's no foundation of praying in the name of Jesus, there's no language when you talk about the blood of Jesus, what makes you think that you can bring all of that to church? No, the truth is what you bring from the house, you can bring all the bad habits and influence other volunteers in the practices that you do at home. Are you following me? You see, the weapons of your warfare, there's something within your reach. Don't just, don't just say, okay, yeah, I know the name of Jesus, blood of Jesus, word of God. Sure. But at the end of this, you have to make life choices. What will I do about these weapons? How can I pray better? How can I understand the blood of Jesus better? How can I go deeper into the word of God? How can I deposit these things? I'll say this and I've said this so many times. Get involved in a life group. If you want to grow deeper, get plugged in a life group. Get into Recharge. We'll give you a chance to be plugged into a life group as well. Register for Recharge. You want to have an encounter with God. Register. Know who God is. Understand the power of the name of Jesus. We've had so many wonderful moments in Recharge. You know what's nice about Recharge? Every time we have ministry time, we have an altar call, we open the altars for people to get prayed. In recharge, we have an extended time of giving God space to talk to you in the altar. We've got leaders praying for you. We've got people that will sit with you, counsel with you, talk to you, and actually walk you through this journey of the Christian life. If you have questions, that is the best place to actually ask those questions. You can reach your leaders. You can talk to anybody in that camp. But most of all, we want you to go home with an experience from God because God is real. And these weapons are real. Amen.
last but not the least. This is the weapon, okay? As we begin, let me read, let me, let me read from praise and worship first. When we begin to praise and worship, the Lord intervenes and shakes open the very thing that holds us captive. That's praise and worship. But out of all the four, I move this last point to the last because I know that in this last weapon, this cures all the other four because without this, we will not understand the power of God. The fifth weapon is this, the Holy Spirit and His gifts. The Holy Spirit and His gifts. Did you know that when Jesus left, He told His disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem because I'm going to give you the promised Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus did not leave a fa fancy preacher. He did not leave great apostles. He said, no, I'm going to leave with you that one weapon that ties it all down and I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry if you're here and you don't believe in the power and the gifts of the Spirit. I'll tell you this, there's no verse in the Bible that talks about the Spirit leaving. Look at John 14, 16. It says this, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, meaning the Holy Spirit. What, that means comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby to be with you. What? Forever. Okay? And it says here, the Spirit of truth, you know Him because He remains with you continually and will be with you. The Spirit of God is what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments. Did you know that as a pastor when I, when I was starting out, I started out quite young. And whenever I would preach, I got a chance. I was in my early 20s. I would be preaching to people uh, as young as my age and as old as 40, 50, 60. And I would be preaching and I, I would tell myself, Lord, I, don't, I can't even relate to half the crowd, three-fourths the crowd. And this is what I tell even in tune when I get a chance to talk to them. Did you know that for you to minister to a person with deeper experience, supposing uh, logic will always tell us if you're ministering to a drug addict, find an ex-drug addict to minister to another drug addict, right? If, if you're talking to a person with a failed marriage, ideally you want to have, logic will tell you, get a man who's had a failed marriage and that was restored by God, and then let them meet that person. That's what logic would tell us. We always choose people based on experience. Who will be best suited for this? I'll tell you. Whenever you do that, and that's good. That's strategic and that's great. But whenever you do that, sometimes you belittle the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter, James, John, and the disciples did not operate based on experience of the world. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't say taste and see the world. That it is good. No, the Bible actually says, taste and see. God, I want you to experience more of God. And then you come out into the world and then minister to a dying world. You don't need an ex-drug addict to minister to another drug addict. Why? Because you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. He'll give you the words. He'll give you the perfect timing. What to say, when to say it, how to say it. Use the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the problem. We have done church many times. No? We've done ministry many times. And we move aside the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's okay. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is the power of the believer. When the Spirit came upon the disciples, Jesus did not focus on 5,000 people. And the ones that he fed, he did not make them just born again. And then all of them moved and conquered the Roman world. No, Jesus focused on the 12. 
and from that 12 they received the holy spirit and when they received the holy spirit the gospel moved forward in signs and wonders the power of the holy spirit are you following me still yes paul says first corinthians 14 verse 1 follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit especially prophecy Paul will not tell you to desire spiritual gifts if they were not true, right? Then we would just erase this verse in the Bible and throw it away. No, Paul says, I want you to desire spiritual gifts. I wonder how many of us, even at the turn of this year, actually prayed with this language. Lord, I want a spiritual gift. I want to use the gift that you give me to grow the body of Christ, to reach out to others, to minister to others. Because Paul says, special mention pa desire prophecy wow see all of the gifts of the spirit were so real in this generation acts 1 8 from the passion translation says but i promise you this the holy spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with what with power and you will be my messengers to jerusalem throughout judea the distant provinces and even to the remotest places on earth when the spirit comes upon you you're gonna have power and everything you and I can do should be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're in ministry, you're serving as a volunteer, it should be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're preaching, it should be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're leading worship in front, it must be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't belittle that. And of all the, the three persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is the most discussed about. It's the most um, misunderstood person of the Trinity. And we take very little time to talk about it. I get the Father. I get the Son. What's the Holy Spirit? But you see, Jesus did not leave anyone here except the Holy Spirit. It, it means, you know that verse in James? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? You know the word good there, it's in the original Greek, it's in the superlative. It means the best, the best gift. That when Jesus left the Holy Spirit, it is the best gift that he left the church. And it is the power of the Spirit in us that we can conquer territory. It's through the Holy Spirit that I can pray in the name of Jesus. It's through the Holy Spirit that I can talk about the blood of Jesus. It's through the Holy Spirit that I can go deep into the Word of God. It's through the Holy Spirit that I can begin to sing in the Spirit and connect to Him in the Spirit. You want to encounter the Holy Spirit? Sign up for recharge. Right? I'm pushing this, Pastor Herb, no? I'm really pushing this. Sign up for recharge. It's just that we don't get to do things there, here, what we get to do there. And we make the most out of our time with God there. We want to change some habits as well. I'll continue reading 1 Corinthians, just a few more verses. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed, Paul says. In other translations, says, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says here, to one there is given through a spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kind of, kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just to make this clear, you can desire spiritual gifts, but you can never twist God's arm what gifts he's going to give you. 
right? You don't say, God, I, can I return the gift of tongues? I just want prophecy. Can I return the gift? I just want the gift of healing. Can I do a side note really quick? You know, a lot of us, a lot of Christians that I know, they really desire the gift of healing. Imagine how powerful that is. You pray for a person, instantly they're healed. And most often, whenever we think of the gift of healing, we think a big stage and a long line of people getting healed. It's not like that all the time. You know, the gift of healing can be you alone visiting sick people in the hospital. No audience. No one knows. Not even the nurse. And you praying for a person that's sick and that person gets well. And then God gets the glory, not you. You see, the gift of healing, we're so infatuated with the gifts of the Spirit sometimes that we miss out on other things. But desire, desire it, ask it from God. Lord, I want to be a person that actually touches another life. Use me in the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, this year. I want to minister in a different way so that, Lord, you get the glory. Because the Holy Spirit is for you and I. It's for everybody. As we submit to the Holy Spirit, He works in us and makes manifest the power of God in our daily lives. So here's my disclaimer for that. The biggest proof of a Spirit-filled life is not the gifts of the Spirit really. It's an obedient and yielded life. See, I, I know people that claim to move in the gifts of the Spirit, but the lives they live, it's not even aligned to the will of God. No way. The first thing you check is the fruit. Hey, are you walking aligned with God? Do you look like Jesus? Okay, you look like Jesus. Check. Now let's move in the gifts of the Spirit by the grace of God. I've had so many experiences. The biggest turning point in my life is when I encountered the Holy Spirit and He is real. In fact, today, as I end, one verse I promise, but as I end, I want to invite you even later on to come to the afternoon service. We'll have a time of prayer in front. Pastor Joe will be preaching the word, but we're going to give a little bit more time for the altar call and watch God move in people's lives. You need prayer. You need a time with God. You need a touch from God. We're going to do that this afternoon. Amen. Can you all just stand with me really quickly as I read this last verse? I want you to catch this verse and then we'll pray together. This is the verse that is proof that everything that happens in our life is the power of God. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21 it says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Paul was praying this. He says, my prayer for you Christians is that you understand how great the power of God that is available for you and I. It says here, this is the same, he describes now this power. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. How much power do you think it took to take a lifeless body, raise the lifeless body from the grave and not just stay on earth and that power bringing that body in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. How much power did that take? Paul says that same power, Brian, is the same power at work in your life. But why are you living so low, so full of shame and so weak? That power is available to you in Jesus' name. And let me continue the verse. 
now he is far above any rule or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world but also in the world to come for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ I'll end here when that power raised Jesus from the dead seated him in heavenly places now Paul puts it in our perspective he says that same power Brian it took your lifelessness your weakness your brokenness that same power now is bringing you and sitting you down in heavenly places in other words the problems you experience in this level is nothing compared because you're already standing on higher ground in Jesus Christ the spirit is so alive in you and I amen you're seated with him in heavenly places can we just flash the five weapons I just want them to go home with it can we read it together Num weapon number one is the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus the Word of God praise and worship the Holy Spirit and his gifts father we thank you so much for the weapons of our warfare are not something that we use Lord God that are worldly the weapons of our warfare are mighty to demolish strongholds to take captive every single thought and make it obedient to you so father as we lift our hands today Lord, I'm dedicating my body, Lord God, disciplining my body to be a person of prayer, to be a person that will pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to be a person that understands the depths of your love, Lord God, because the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It can save my whole family. It can save a dying world. Lord, teach me to be a person who allows the word of the Lord to dwell in me richly every single day lord the grace to read the grace to meditate the grace to study father god lord i want to be a person that just does not praise and worship you here in church i want to make it my language every single place i go lord when i eat when i exercise when i'm at home i want to be worshiping you in spirit and in truth and finally father god i thank you for the gift of the holy spirit the gift that's so available for all of us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power at work within me. So I dedicate my body to you today. Lord, that even as we're coming to an end in March, Lord, I declare this month to be marvelous March in Jesus' name. I declare victory over my home, victory over my circumstance because, Lord, now I'm not here on earth, Lord God spiritually I'm seated in heavenly places in Jesus name I have authority to trample over snakes and scorpions in Jesus name so father thank you for this word seal it with the power of the Holy Spirit we dedicate this time to you in Jesus mighty name we pray everybody said amen and amen God bless you